0: So I'm going to start in verse 10 of John 3. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe? if I tell you of heavenly things. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I'm going to stop there. I'll pray. Lord, again, as we Turn to your word this morning. I just pray, Lord, that you would guide our hearts, guide our minds to receive what you would have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak words that are encouraging and that are a help today as well. Lord, give me wisdom and strength as I preach this morning. And Lord, I just ask your blessing again in Christ's name. Amen. So, as I was preparing this week, Sorry, Emily. Most of the people are that way. (laughs) Preparing this week, I turned to to Matthew again, but as I looked at it, I just kind of felt God pointing me back here. Um, There's a topic that came up during Bible study this week in 1 Corinthians of this example that Jesus gives here. In verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And when it came up in Bible study, I didn't really know what to say about it. I, didn't, I, I noted that this comes up a couple of times in the New Testament. It came up in 1 Corinthians 10. And it comes up here, and it's just, it seems like such a strange occurrence in the Old Testament It has the appearance of God almost directing Moses to create an idol. And the thing actually did become an idol. And so the question is, like, why in the world would God do this? Why would he use that? And then, why is it referenced in a key passage in Jesus' teaching? And referenced again by Paul later on. And in We'll we'll turn to there in a moment, but it just I ha, I didn't know what to think of this exact story and what to do with it at the time, and and so it kind of stuck in my head through the week, and I was listening to some preaching just randomly, I didn't pick this thing, and one of the one of the sermons that the guy was preaching was on this topic, and as he spoke. It's like I knew exactly what he was going to say about it before it came out of his mouth. I'm like, I should have known this. I should have been able to come up with this answer myself, but I didn't. Anyway. But on this topic, this passage in John has been taught to me several times, and there's two times in my life that really stood out. I remember in high school, I was part of a youth group. I was the oldest person in the youth group. I was in high school, and most of the kids were were younger kids. Um, very similar to what Darren is like with, with like Deadman kids and whatnot. Just that age separation. And so I was often put in a, in a position of leadership. And anyway during that time we had a an older lady from the church came to do the bible lesson during our youth group one time and she used this passage and she got us to memorize this whole passage starting in verse 14 and going through to like verse 18 or 19 here and she taught on this and she pointed us back to numbers 21 where the original story took place and the way that she connected these stories in the Bible was a, one of the first times where I remembered seeing that done. And it just stood out to me. as was like, this is my memory. Is, this is the passage and the teaching that really first got me interested in teaching the Bible, in becoming a preacher. And so that has stuck with me over the years. And one other time, uh, Jeff and I were working together and we were traveling around and we were in Marathon and it was a little host church. It was like midweek Bible study and a small group and we started this passage and they were studying this passage and what stood out to me is one of the guys came in late and as soon as he found out we're in John three, and we're looking at this serpent as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, says, ah, Numbers 21! And that stood out to me how well this, this guy just knew where the, pa- where the story occurred in the Bible. And it just kind of, I just love people that know their Bible and love their Bible enough, and it just was an encouragement to me to, to be more like that, to learn my Bible, to know where things are in my Bible. So anyway, this is the start of that. And I I wondered, I know this has been taught to me at least those two times. I know, I'm sure it's been preached several other times as people have gone through the book of John. I've I've been under preaching in the book of John many times. And what I'm going to look at this morning was either never taught or just com- went completely over my head at that point. And I know that's a, a definite possibility. And so if part of this goes over your head this morning, well, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe you'll get something out of it other than what my main point is, but uh, we need to learn. And I've pointed out the passage in Isaiah, you know, it's here a little, there a little. Line up upon, upon line, precept upon precept. We got to start somewhere, and we got to grow and build on our knowledge. And this is one of those cases for me, in particular, where it's a little bit building on a little bit. And so, if you if you want to turn to me with me um, to 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to just read that passage again that brought this up. I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'll read a, a, a section of it here. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and, all, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did, eat, did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted neither be idolaters as some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. And the next verse says, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples... And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so we see these references to these Old Testament stories and the one, again, that stood out was the ones that when they rebelled and they were destroyed by serpents points back to this story that Jesus is pointing back to as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But it's very clear here that these stories were given as examples to teach us to not make the same mistakes that those people made. To not fall into the same kinds of sin that they fell into. And so it just kind of struck me that this story, this story about the serpents made this list. And so I want to turn back to that story and we're going to We'll read a portion that that little bit of the story um, in Numbers chapter twenty-one. And I'm going to start um, again at the beginning of the chapter. I'll just start somewhere else and then it gets into the story. So we'll we'll read that. So Numbers chapter twenty-one it says, and when King Herod the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Horma. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Where have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul is... Loatheth this this light bread and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died therefore the people came to Moses and said we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us and Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said unto Moses make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And then the story just moves on and the Israel starts moving again. They go to the next place. When we look at this story, and I read the, the lead-up to it, the first four verses, the first three verses, are a story of the Canaanites attacking Israel. And God delivered Israel from their hand, and they prevailed and won And then they carried on in their journey. And then the people, it says they got discouraged because of the way. Do you ever get discouraged because of the path that God has led you down? The route in life where God has directed you? Do you get discouraged in your job? In your circumstances? Well, that's where these people were. It was it was rough. There was no I don't know if you like me, I like water. <laughs> I well, I like water to drink, but I like rivers and lakes. There's <laughs> just something about seeing water is encouraging to me. It is relaxing, it makes me feel at peace. And that if you're Out in a place where there is no water and it's hot and the sun's beating down and the land is rough, and you want water. (laughs) And it can get discouraging. And these people were in this wilderness and it was dry and it was rough and it was uncomfortable. And they're discouraged because of the way. And as you, you read through here, the various nations around them, as they're wandering through the wilderness, and this is that. 40 year period of wandering through the wilderness before God took them into the land the different nations wouldn't let them pass through their land even when they promised to stay just on the on the highway and not to disrupt anything in the land that they were just going to pass through and these countries wouldn't let them do that and it was very discouraging to them and it was hardship and they Verse 5 says, the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They're looking back, and how often do we talking reference the past and how it was always, it's always better in the past, right? You know, remember back when, you know, in my generation, the kids were, it's always worse now than it was in the past. Somehow in our memory, we erase the worst parts and we look longingly to the past and we think it was better back there. When we were back there, we were looking forward to getting out of there. Remember that? (laughs) But that's the way we are. And sometimes, well, we even long for a different, not just past in our life, but a different era. Oh, I wish I could have lived in such and such an era wouldn't it have been great to have not had all this technology and all these machines and we just do everything by hand and life was simple back life was not simple back then guys (laughs) life was hard that's why we created all these tools and equipment and machines is to to do some of that work for us because life was hard but these people are looking back at the past, they're saying it was better to be a slave in Egypt than to be where we are today. We were getting beaten by the Egyptians, forced to build their cities and do these things, but it was better than this. At least we had food, we had shelter, we had whatever, whatever they had, whatever they remembered having... They were longing for those things that were left behind. And they were angry about the current circumstances and where God has led them. I said it many times, why do we try to tell God he's made a mistake in our life, <laughs> right? Do we, we think God didn't know what he was doing when he put me... Where he put me. But God knew exactly what he was doing. He put us where he put us on purpose and for a purpose. And we need to trust God in that purpose. And these people weren't trusting God. And they said, There is no bread, neither is there any water. And we know the stories when there was no water, God. The ones told Moses, strike the rock with your rod and water is going to come out and water pours out of a rock and waters the people. There was no lack of provision of water when they needed water. And he says, there's no bread. And our soul loatheth this light bread. (laughs) Wait a second, you said there is no bread. Oh, but there's this manna. This miraculous thing that shows up on the ground and feeds us day after day without fail. God provides every bit of nutrition that we need. Yet we hate this thing that God provided for us. We hate God's provision. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm tired of it. And so, do we... Do we resent what God's provided for us do we resent God's provision in our life the job that he's given that we can pay for our home and provide food for our families we need to be more grateful to God this is remember this was given as 1 Corinthians 10 says this was given as an example so that we don't fall into the same sin that these people fell into In Esther chapter 4, I'm just going to turn there instead of trying to quote it. Verse 13 says, <clears throat> Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not that with Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's host more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's host shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther wasn't happy with what her position was and what was going to be required of her. She was scared to do what was being asked of her. But the answer was, God has put you here for such a time as this. remember my friend Ryan saying to us how exciting it is for us to live and to raise our children and our families today in the world that we're living in today. What an exciting time. A world pandemic, and we get to raise our kids through this. We have been put here for such a time as this. We can reach our world in a way that nobody else has been able to reach our world through the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. Don't condemn God for what's going on. Let God put you through this and let him use you the way that he wants to use you through this he was put you here for such a time as this that you could serve him in this time in this passage though in numbers 21 the result of the rebellion and the complaining against god verse 6 says and the lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. What a a strange thing for God to send, the fiery serpent. Why serpents? Well, when we start to think about a serpent, I'm hoping, if you know your Bible stories at all, you should be thinking back to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to turn there if you want to follow, if you've got your Bible with you. Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve in the garden and in the beginning of the chapter. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Here's our serpent. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and also gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee? that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, and it carries on with more of the the consequence to man because of the sin that was committed in the disobedience of God in the garden but We see the serpent here. And the serpent becomes the symbol of sin. And we always, we think of snakes and I've heard lots of discussion about, you know, God took the legs off of a serpent and now they became a a snake with no legs. And well, that's kind of what's described here, but it's not the point. And the serpent isn't just some creature in the garden. The serpent is Satan. The serpent is the instrument that brought sin into the world. And that sin that occurred in the garden, that original sin, is very similar to what we see happening with Israel in the wilderness. That sin, it showed a lack of contentedness with what God had given. I want that thing. I want that thing that's beyond my reach that God hasn't given to me. The the thing that God said I shouldn't have, that's the thing that I want. I was talking to the neighbor yesterday, and he was saying he was painting a, a car and somebody was visiting, and they had this little girl. Sorry, girls. (laughs) And he said to the it was just freshly painted, and he said to the girl, don't touch that car, it's just freshly painted. And the first thing she does is both hands on the hood of the car (laughs) and ruins that paint job. And isn't that just what we are like? Is The one thing that we're told not to do is the thing that we want to do the most. We're just not content with what God has given us. there's also this doubt of God's provision. God gave Adam and Eve everything they could possibly need or want in that garden. It was perfect. There was no mosquitoes biting them at night. There was no weeds growing in their garden. They just had to tend the plants and life was good. They could eat anything they wanted other than that one tree and live in peace and Fellowship with God. But she's doting. They're doting what God has given. They're doting God's provision. There's something more available to me. It can be better than this. It can't get better (laughs) than that. But they thought, they believed that it could be better if they could only have this. And they were wrong. And so this serpent becomes this symbol of sin, the symbol of temptation, the symbol of disobedience to God. And in verse 15 of Genesis 3, it said, I will put enmity, speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And we see this is the first prophecy regarding Christ. And it contains this aspect of the serpent in that prophecy. Bruising the heel of Christ. And Christ bruising his head at the same time. And so this picture of a serpent being lifted on a pole, what Christ is referring to as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, becomes a perfect image of what Christ was doing and what was taking place on that cross as we see this prophecy and this picture of the serpent representing sin in that case. And When we follow through the Bible, this idea of the serpent, and we can see that Revelation is very clear. says that, Revelation 12, verse 9, says, The great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out of the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We see, we know that that serpent isn't just some creature. It is, in fact, the devil that created, or that caused the sin that was giving the temptation. There's an interesting aspect of this that I think often gets overlooked, and it, in that story in Numbers 21, the serpents that were sent described them as fiery serpents. And why fiery serpents? Serpents, okay, we kind of looked at that and it starts to make sense that the serpent represents the sin, the rebellion against God. But in Matthew 25, verse 41, Jesus says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you know hell wasn't created for man? (laughs) Hell was created... For the devil and his angels, because of their rebellion against God at a different time, and we see that in Isaiah chapter 14, we see the devil, Satan's rebellion against God. Hell was created for for Satan, not for, for people. But it's described as everlasting fire. And so the connection with fire and these serpents is a perfect picture of sin and the consequence of it. Still, you kind of wonder how and why God would use this symbol of a fiery serpent lifted up on a pole and people needing to look upon that for healing becomes a symbol of the salvation that's offered through Christ on the cross. But if we read 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth jesus was sinless who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges righteously he's committing himself to god not to man while allowing men to do what they will in verse 24 says who his own self Bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. It says he bare our sins in his body. Well, that picture of a serpent that represents our sin, and seeing that Christ bore our sins in his body, that image of that serpent being lifted up starts to become a little bit more clear as to why God would use that symbol. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, also says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was made to be sin. He was made sin. That serpent... That's what Christ became was sin. That serpent that represents sin is a perfect picture then of what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. And when we put this together, we realize that that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is him taking my sin on him. That symbol of the serpent, that fiery serpent the sin and the consequence of hell for our sin was taken to the cross on Christ's body and put on the cross. And we see the fulfillment of this passage in Genesis 3 of the serpent bruising his heel as he's nailed to this cross. But we also see the victory, the the answer to that, that Satan didn't win at that moment. Christ overcame that through his resurrection. And we can, just like the Israelites could look at that serpent in the wilderness for healing, they just had to believe. They could all see it, but they had to actually look upon it and trust that that thing was going to save them or to heal them. We can all hear about Jesus and what happened there. We can believe that God in some form exists in the world. But until we believe that that sacrifice took my sin and the punishment for it, that is what was on the cross. And that is the forgiveness that I get through that. It's not until I realize that and believe that, that I receive the salvation that is offered through that sacrifice. So I just see this. Seemingly strange. Event. That took place. In the wilderness. Becomes a perfect. Complete picture. Of the gospel. That Jesus accomplished for us. Verse 11 just. Kind of sums up my my amazement at what God does through his word. Romans 11:33 says, "Oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out." Let's pray. Lord, you have given us a book that's filled with stories that are there for examples for us to learn from. Lord, I thank you for it. Help us to learn. Help us to understand the gospel, that Christ took our sin on him on that cross, that we can look to him in faith for our salvation, Lord. But that punishment was paid for us. We thank you for it, Lord, and we just ask you to bless this time, and we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.